That is good stuff. Well, hey, um, I want to add just one little thing. If you're a parent and you are thinking of sending your junior high or high school student to summer camp right after service with our student pastor, Matt, there's going to be a brief info meeting about that. So where's that going to be, Matt? In the student room. So two halls over, encourage you to come. So if you're a parent or if you're thinking, hey, I might want to go as a leader and help out, go with Matt. It'd be great. I want to ask first, um, does anyone have a testimony that they feel like they want to share? Either from something that's been happening in the last couple of weeks or in your house group, someone have a testimony, something they want to share, like a healing or something God's done? Is anyone? I can't. Come share. Sorry, I can't totally, between like the lights and the shine off my head, I can't always see out there very well. <laughs> We got it on? Turn on Lynn's mic if that's not working. Hello, Christy. We're trying. They're doing their best. Maybe. It's not meant to be. I'll go sit back down. Hello, hello. There we go. I was going to go sit back Woo! down. So good morning. Um, it is hard to see everybody, by the way. I absolutely can see nobody. Um, but I am really excited to say I participated in my first worship experience with the youth. And you guys have some amazing youth. Um, just an incredible experience. I'd love to see what you guys are doing as a team back there and to get to participate. Thank you, Steve. Um, I'm actually out of breath still, okay? So two mistakes of a rookie. I... Uh, didn't take my sinus medicine and I wore a really thick coat. But anyhow, my, my thing that I wanted to testify to was, it was funny, I've always loved worship, right? Love it deeply. And I've never really had an opportunity to be a part of such a, a thing, right? And so it was just interesting. And I wanted to say as a testimony, I had a prayer over me a couple weeks ago that God was gonna give me this like joy and love to serve. And then Steve followed up with this worship request and it just was so hand in hand and God is so beautiful and he just meets us in such special ways. And so I just wanted to thank the Vineyard team for inviting me to be a part of that and just being a vessel. And, and again, worshiping with your kids who gave their heart in there and it's beautiful. Mm. And uh, again, just exciting to be a part of it. So it's just a little small testimony of how God is fun. And it's like, hey, easy, yeah, you can get on the stage and sing, even though I can't sing. <laughs> so it is just a blessing and I, I did want to share that, so. Amen. Thanks, AZ. Okay, and there's one. And oh, and you guys want to help me sing happy birthday to the lady with the mic? No. All right. And also, also Margie, who's on our board, Margie Eppenfelder, her birthday was yesterday. So let's sing to Amber and Margie. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, Amber and Margie. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. My name is Judy Fee, and my house group meets on Thursday mornings because I work kind of like a second shift. So we had been praying for my son and my kids and my son's girlfriend to start coming to church, and they have... My one son and his girlfriend has started coming to church with me, and they even got baptized. So. Amen. It's good stuff. Well, hey, it's good to be here. The... Sure, go ahead. Hey, this is great. Thank you, Jesus. This is awesome. So last January at the night of worship, Ryan had a word of knowledge for me because um, he started feeling some heartburn and some indigestion. That was a healing that I was fighting for because I had to take a Pepsid every single day of my life. So ever since he prayed for me, it went from like an eight on a pain level down to like a two. So I do not take that medicine anymore, but um, now it's just like as needed. So praise God. I wanted to share, um, last week we brought a friend to church with us, um, so it was really cool, um, but we went to Bob Evans before we came, 
And um, we were sitting there and talking with him and I was letting him know my testimony and what Jesus has done for me. Um, and there was people around that heard us. Um, some people at the table behind us came up and said, we heard your conversation. We'd ask for prayer from you. And it felt so good to emulate Christ. You know, um, we were having a conversation and I never dreamed that someone would come to me um, and see me working, you know, through Jesus. So thank you guys for giving me the strength to share Jesus with people. Here we go, another one. Keep them coming. <laughs> so uh, ever since I started coming to church, you know, I just, it's brought out such a good side of me. Uh, I used to blame God for every bad thing going on in my life. And I started praying and finding out that I had been talked about at this church for years. And <laughs> I was just like, you know, I'm just going to start coming to church because I feel God talking to me. And um, it finally made me feel like I have a purpose now. God has given me the purpose to keep fighting, and uh, he's just been talking to me this week. Um, he's just been giving me that push, just like, don't give up, keep going. I started, uh, I started working a full-time job. Praise God for that, because I have been praying and praying and praying that I would finally get that job, and I did, and I love it. And uh, just been a little stressed, but God has been speaking to me, saying, you know, just keep fighting, don't give up. And I just feel very empowered, and I'm just really glad to be here. <laughs> Praise God. That is good stuff. Well, thank you, everyone, for sharing. It's cool that God just the way he's moving, and I love how he's filling up our church with people that are hungry and passionate for um, being like Jesus. I um, heard this guy named Drew Moore. He's a pastor at Canyon Ridge Christian Church in Las Vegas, posed this question a couple weeks ago. And he said, how satisfied are we with our church's ability to make disciples who make disciples? Is this just a good idea? Or is it a conviction of ours personally? We will have to settle that it is our conviction, not just the pastor's idea. And I think about this, and I think about like Jesus will not ever ask us, were we part of a church or a movement that was a disciple-making movement? He will look at me personally and say, were you a disciple-maker, Ryan? And a disciple maker is basically that I, discipleship we say a lot, is the process of becoming like Jesus. So was I a person who was fully bent and aimed towards my life becoming like Jesus's? Because I can't give what I don't have, right? Jesus even, well, everyone disciples unto something. Jesus even said to the Pharisees, he said, you guys go halfway around the world to make one disciple, then you make them twice the son of hell you are. The radio is trying to disciple us. The media is trying to disciple us. Facebook, every medium in the world is trying to disciple us. It's trying to conform us into its idea. And what I'm asking is, what kind of disciple are you? Whose disciple are you? Is this your idea for your life too? And if it is, do I pursue Jesus like he's everything to me? Like this vertical thing, do I live my life in a way that it points up? Do I live my life in a way that he came down? Do I live my life, do I spend my life becoming more like him and spending time with him? Because in my time with Jesus, in that vertical time with God, is where I learn his heart for me, where I learn his heart for others, where I learn what he's up to. Is this his idea, my church's idea, or is it also becoming my idea? 
And I, and I think as we talk about discipleship, we talk about it a lot around here. A lot around here. And a lot of you are here because we talk about it a lot around here. Or maybe uh, you're new and you're like, they talk about this a lot because it's what we're about. It's the great commission. It's the thing Jesus entitled. It's the inheritance for his people. The inheritance for his people is linked to people that are his people. And he said, people that are his people are an obedient people. Because he says, if you love me, you obey me. And so as we come after Jesus as a church, and we think about in this season as a church, what is Jesus to me? We're in that time, Ash Wednesday, kind of started like the holy season leading up to Wednesday. I mean, up, up to Easter. And thinking about what Jesus did. What's that mean to me? And I want to encourage you, it was so sweet on Thursday. We had like 18 or 19 people join our Zoom prayer in the morning. We're seeing an uptick of people more and more coming to worship nights, people to pray. And I want you to know that this is an act of God. I've had people reach out to me and say, how is your church doing what they're doing? How are they growing and changing and turning the corner? And, what's, and someone asked me, what's different about this than when you've done this before in other churches. I'm like, because I learned from my failures and I learned from my own efforts that it's gotta be an act of God. It's gotta be based in prayer for it to mean anything. Because you can mobilize a lot of people to do something, but it doesn't mean you're mobilizing them to do what God's calling. And the, the first thing in discipleship, a guy named Shadanka Johnson says, he says, every viral disciple-making uh, disciple movement is first a prayer movement. So when we see in the life of a disciple, why we talk about prayer so much, because it's our source. It's our source, and it's the force of God that moves and lives through us. I love it. Uh, I have a friend who was, um, uh, like, I used, uh, used to do missions in China, and he told me about, like, how the book of John is interpreted. We were talking about Star Wars, because I'm a Star Wars nerd, and so is he. And he said to me, he said, it's really interesting. He said, in the Chinese language, like, in the Mandarin language, like, the Greek word logos, where it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He said, in the Mandarin language, the direct translation of that word is, he says, in the beginning was the force. And the force was with God, and the force was God. And I was just, and, and I've thought about that a lot, and I'm not trying to chalk the Holy Spirit up to the Star Wars universe, though that would make my day if it was all true. Um, but I, I thought, like, there's this force, there's this thing in the force, and God says that, that, that God is spirit, and his spirit will worship, and his people will worship him in spirit and in truth. There's this thing, like, the force behind what we do. Paul says that Christ's love compels me. The thing that moves us forward is this force of love. I believe another guy once sang about that. Didn't we? The Power of Love, Huey Lewis, right? Another great 80s movie trio, the back to the future, but like there's the power of love compels us or love forces me, love moves me. Does your love of God move you? Does the love of God move you in such a way that you live differently? Does the love of God move you in such a way that you spend differently, that you think differently, that you act differently? Does the love of God so move me that I'm different? Does that force, does that, and not like God forcing us and we think, but this power, this thing, this inertia, does that thing reside inside of me and compel me to be different? Do you assume that other people would just care of disciple making and you can keep going to church? Do you pray and obey and share the gospel with such a fervency that others can tell that Jesus' life is at work in you? When people come to my house group or they come to our church, what do they say about us? Does that force, does that move of God, does that power of God, does it enhance what we do or is it just flavor it? Is it just kinda, it comes also?
a group of authorities were asked about the Chinese house church, house groups, and after pursuing them and arresting them and hunting them down, they said, what would you make of the Chinese house church? He said, they are those who raise the dead. Do people come to our church and do, do our lives feel raised? Are people literally being raised? I know of some place in the world where people, where the dead are not dead anymore. Does our life and ministry move in such a grace and such a power that people are raised literally from a different place to this higher plane that God's called us to? Do we fast and pray regularly for this kind of breakthrough? Because I'll tell you what, if we wanna see a disciple-making movement happen in our lives, in our families, in our homes, communities, in this church, we gotta be praying our guts out for it. Why? Because prayer is where we align our hearts with heaven. We align our hearts with God. But there's an enemy. There's a real enemy, and there's a real war that's going on. And sometimes... It's not so much that prayer changes things, it's that prayer can change me and I start changing things too, as C.S. Lewis once said. Does prayer, prayer changes us. In prayer, sometimes God says, come wear me out, I wanna see how much you want it. Any of you ever kind of been through training or been through college or played for a team and it seemed like the coaches or the leadership or the bosses liked the people best who worked the hardest? They were game to give them the, the raises or like the promotions or the standout. I think there's something about that like with God's heart is he loves to see, do we want this? Is this just a good idea? Or is this just something that other ones around me doing? Or is this something that I embody? Is this something that I'm willing to go after and to be like, because I wanna be with him? Jesus was a man of prayer. And if discipleship's the process of becoming like Jesus, we wanna be like the man, Jesus. What does my life of prayer look like? Do I pray much? Do I spend time on my face or do I think about things more than I pray? Do I complain more than I praise? Prayer says, I trust you, I count on you, I need you, I want you. As we're talking about this disciple-making movement, which we're gonna be, we wanna be, we are being. God's doing things here. It's just a good refresher, or for those that are new, or maybe those that are kinda, that we're getting, you know, it's easy to get caught in the weeds, is like, what's God doing? Because we talk a lot about, we talk about prayer, we talk about house groups, we talk about mission, we talk about these things, but we're not just talking about things to talk about, and we're talking about them because to God they are the things. So we've, we're, we're, we've constructed everything in this church in the last couple of years, our budget, our staff, our services, our monies, our time, our talent, our treasure, everything has been constructed around the singular thing of making disciples, everything. That's where we're going, that's who we are. And we're not boasting in our efforts, but we're like, this is the commandment, this is what Jesus called us to do. So we gotta do it. Because one thing that prayer does is I start to learn God's character and nature, and I learn his love for me and his love for others. And as I pray for other people when I'm in conflict with them, or I pray for other people when I'm distant from them, and I, I kind of can, I'm able to more deftly move from maybe the things I think about them to what God thinks about them. Have you ever like prayed for someone when you were like really pissed off at them and you're like really agitated and then all of a sudden like you get with God and like your heart starts breaking and God starts rearranging the chairs on your ship and starts showing you things about what, how he sees that person, how he sees the situation, or maybe points it back like, bro, I know you're really mad, but the way you're receiving this, or the way, the things you're saying, or how you're leaning out, these aren't things that I've called you to do as my son. Do we pray for the kingdom to come, like Jesus said to the disciples, and do we also live like it has? 
Do you pray for the kingdom to come and do you also live like it has? Because prayer is, Father, we want your kingdom to come. And discipleship is, we know it has, not in its fullness, so we're gonna start living into that now. We're gonna live into that now. And I can tell you something God will always bless, prayers he will always answer. Jesus, send us people to disciple. Send us people to love. Send us people to show your great love to. And I would say to be, to make a disciple, like I said, we gotta first be a disciple. And to be a disciple, it's about being like Jesus. And we see in Jesus' life, we see this tremendous up. And we talk about up a lot, that triangle, imagine the word up, up there, is like this vertical connection to God that I meet him in prayer, I meet him in worship, I read my Bible, I pray with other people, I fast. I fast, I, I, I give up some things that I maybe want and I take that time and I replace it with seeking what God wants. Because Jesus says, disciples, I got food y'all know nothing about. He says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Do we nourish ourselves ever, ever with the things of God instead of the mechanisms of this world? And as we think about up, then we think about in. In are these close-knit disciple-making relationships. We see Jesus went up in Luke chapter six. He went up on the mountain all night and he prayed. Then he came down and he called to himself those that he wanted to be his disciples. Jesus brought men and women unto himself that he led, that he poured into, and that he was gonna do the stuff with. And a lot of times in church, most churches... Most churches in this country, and if you talk to a lot of pastors, their mechanism is, how do you disciple people? Oh, we do it on a Sunday morning. We disciple on a Sunday morning. And that's great, you can do some of that, you can. But this life on life thing, like we have put so much of our thrusters into the church. And this has been where, our, where we spent most of our time. We can call this our public space, okay? where most people's disciple-making mechanisms are the church. But over here, and we think when we build the church, we get disciples, but as our friend Mike Breen says, when we build the church, we rarely get disciples, but when we make disciples, we always get the church. Sorry, if you can't read that, I can't either, but um, I'm doing my best here. But what we've got, and this is like the very public space, and this is the very intimate space. This is very intimate space, but what, a lot of times what we have in church is this giant chasm where we become a disciple-making church and we're trying to, okay, how do we get from here to here? How do in my life go from this thing that's almost hardwired in most Americans who become Christians or have any proclivity towards it to move people, how do we move from here to here? How do we do that? And it's very hard. It's very hard because Jesus, Jesus actually worked like this. Jesus moved in the margins. He moved from this place to the 12 to the 72. So this was the 72, okay? This was the 72. We see in the book of Acts, there's like 70, we'll say 70 to 120. There was this group of people that Jesus seemed to, I'm sorry, the, uh, there was this kind of, the, the disciples plus, we'll call it the disciples plus. The disciples plus, there was this kind of group. This was the, this was the 12, okay? The, this is the 12. We'll say the 12. This is Jesus' 12. This was his homies. But this was kind of like Peter, James, John. These were the ones he was closest with. This was his kind of three to five, his core three to five, who Jesus seemed to invest in the most. Even the other disciples, we have some standouts amongst them, that when Jesus was going to do stuff, he brought Peter, big James, and John with him to do everything. It seemed like they were the ones that um, would, would, would wreak the most havoc at the beginning of the church. Like we see that they were the ones who wrote a lot of the books of the Bible, who were very instrumental in leading the church. And these were the guys, this kind of core three. But then there was these other nine. There was these, the, the, 
this group of nine that Jesus wildly invested in. There was these other nine disciples that Jesus gave his life to. They, they were the people that knew Jesus on a private level, okay? So this was the very intimate, we'll call this the two to five. And this was kind of the, the others. We have the five to 12, okay? And that, that was the Jesus total 12. A lot of times in the church, what we're trying to do is we're trying to just make this jump from, we're trying to go from here to here. We're trying to go from here to here, and it becomes very problematic. It becomes very problematic to just go from, okay, church, we're gonna do this grand thing, and we're gonna do small life on life discipleship, and we want you to go do that now. When we've given you no model, we've given you no medium, we've given you no tools. And most anthropologists, sociologists would tell us, even throughout history, there's been these four spaces, okay? There's been the intimate space. Everyone's got this. Everyone's got one or two, three, five people that can see you walk around in your underwear, so to speak, right? Or, or maybe that you'll tell everything that's on your heart to. Everyone's got those. Everyone on some level, well, if you don't, um, then your life's probably very sad and lonely. But most people have someone who they can tell anything to and be themselves around. And then, most of us have a private space, like people that we can be more, that, that we're close to, that we share dreams, encouragements, discouragement, stuff like that. Maybe not quite on the level that we might share with our spouse or maybe a BFF or something like that, but we've got this thing, and most of us can handle five to 12 people, and we see just like Jesus. And then there's this social space, maybe the people we work with, we do life with, we kind of encourage, it's the people we link up with for the bigger purpose. And then there's the very public spaces. And we see these are actually numbered the exact way we see in the Bible. One of the problems here is moving from here to here is it's too big of a jump for people. It's too big of a leap from that giant, you know, 30,000 foot view down to the weeds. And so we read in the book of Acts, chapter two, it says, everyone kept feeling sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property possessions, sharing them with all as anyone as they might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together and with gladness and sincerity of heart. And God was praising God and having his favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number daily those that were being saved. So we saw them in the temple. They were going in the temple. And then we saw them in the larger groups, we'll call these house groups, moving from house to house. And then there were daily those being saved. So these were the people added. These were the people they were talking to. Most of these people weren't coming to Christ in big church services like the book of Acts, like the day of Pentecost. Most of these were more intimate, one-on-one -on -one conversations. What? Are, are we structuring our lives? Do we structure our lives in such a way, or we structure this church in such a way that people can live into what God's calling them to? So I would tell you what we're doing, our strategy is, is yeah, we started with the church. We got this big C church, okay? We got everyone here. We got the people that meet. And we're growing and we care about this. So we're doing our best to, to shepherd this. But our goal is to not get people here. Our goal is to get people here. Our goal is actually to get people here. So you heard us talk a lot about house groups. Why are house groups so important? Because you say, well, you say discipleship, but you know, my house group, I don't know how much that's happening, or you talk about this. Our, because we ultimately wanna get people to be disciples and have these deeper rhythms in their lives and more clustered small groups together. But we gotta get people here first in this kind of 12 to, you know, 12 to 72. So our vision for making disciples in this church is, is that if it is for people to be part of a house group. You hear us say that a lot. Why is it? Because we saw that they met in the temple, but then they met from house to house. 
When we're talking about being disciples, we're talking about rhythms that look like what Jesus did. And we see Jesus often with James, Peter, John, the rest of the 12, the, the, the 72, and then in the temple. And so if you're wondering what's our strategy, I really encourage you, if you're not part of one, to become part of a house group. Part of a house group is actually one of the ways, one of the most effective vehicles you can live into as a person to start living a disciple-making life. You might say, well, I don't have time for that, or I don't really wanna do that, or I like my small group as it is. A house group's not a small group. A house group's not a small group. Most small groups, in my, like in my uh, very humble opinion, honestly, are for two things. Therefore, therefore, connection and retention. Churches use them to keep people happy and keep people connected. And a lot of people go and they're cozy, comfortable, connected. The difference of a house group is we want people connected. We really do. We don't want people comfortable and we don't want people cozy. We want people who are living on mission for the stuff Jesus called us to. So we are... We have constructed our house groups. A house group, I would say, is a small group on steroids. It's kind of the small group plus. It's like the connection, but it's also for the purpose of doing mission together. And we saw, and they met in the temple and house to house, and they made disciples, and they went and did on mission. Going to church or going to house group wasn't enough. These became families on mission whose sole purpose was to win people to the kingdom and develop those that were in their household. This, as we do as a church, we would say our space for the you know, five to 12 are called huddles. This is where we disciple leaders. So if you're leading a house group or you're co-leading a house group or you're leading something uh, significant around here, this is where you get more of a deep dive discipleship on how to lead people and what you're doing how to lead people. And then in this, our hope is, is that more and more house groups will multiply. And as that's happening, we're gonna have more space to intimately, closely disciple other people. And so as we're just thinking about this, like I know this a lot, we, we want to, we believe when we build disciples, we always get the church. And disciples look like Jesus and do what Jesus did. Everyone say, disciples look like Jesus. And disciples do what Jesus did. If we want to be like him, let's just be like him. Isn't the easiest way to be like someone is to be like them? (laughs) And I'm not degrading church, I'm not. But I want you to know this is the least important thing to our leadership team of what we do around here. Because it's, it, it, it's least in the sense of making disciples, like prayer is number one, worship is number one, cultivating people's, to, to live lives of extreme devotion and worship is number one. You might say, well, will we do that in church? If that's the only time we worship, I, I don't know if that'll be what he's looking for. Because he's looking for people who give their lives to him, not just an hour and a half of their time. I mean, if you want to fractionize it and take um, 90 minutes out of 168 hours, is that all worship is? So we want to be a people that worship. We want to be a people that worship him in spirit and truth. We want to be people so compelled by the force of his love that we live, think, act differently. And we, give, we start giving ourselves over to him in ways we didn't before. That's the proof that we're living lives of worship, not just going to worship once a week. So this is great. What happens here is great, but this is not it. Parents, we can't disciple your kids in a way just at church or or like at youth group, that'll probably make a lasting impact in their lives. You gotta do it at home. Best way to do it at home is to me live it at home. And I know this is a lot. I know this is really challenging. I know this church is very challenging, but it's also very invitational that we're inviting, we're inviting you to be part of what matters the most. 
and it's being like Jesus. It'd be really, it'd be a lot easier to just spend 30 hours of my week just crafting an amazing message, and some of you are like, I wish you would spend more time than you are, but <laughs> it would be really easy to do that and just get up here and be a celebrity, send out a few tweets, have a Twitter feed, have a YouTube channel, and just endlessly self-promote and call it the kingdom. And a lot of people do that, honestly. A lot of people leading churches in our country, that's what the ministry head has been relegated to. And I'm sorry, that's, that's not what Jesus was calling his people to, and certainly not his leaders. And so I'm not saying, I'm not devaluing church, but I'm just saying, I feel like we've put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable for far too long of making this the premium note of our Christian song. This is where we wanna get. And we know a lot of us aren't there yet. But I wanna implore you to further consider as we're going forward in this year, it's like, do I believe in what you guys are talking about? Do I believe in this call to make disciples? Do I believe in myself becoming a disciple? And the thing about a disciple, it is a, a disciple's a learner. It's hard to take somewhere a place, someone a place you haven't gone before. It's so much more fluid and right and healthy to take someone somewhere that we've been first. And a disciple, we want, we want to be people that are walking with, pursuing, loving, going after Jesus with all thrusters. Not saying we'll be perfect. Listen, this has been such a wonky process. We're trying to figure this out. But what I ask you is, is, is my life a prototype of the age to come? Is your life, when people look at you, when they look at me, when they look at us, do they see something different? This might look different to you as a church than what you signed up for where you've been before. Praise God. Because we look at when COVID came, 60% of the church scattered like roaches when you turn the light on and they haven't been back. I had a friend who's a, who's, a, who's a pastor, and he was telling me, man, we've lost so many people, we've lost so many people. I'm like, how much money have you lost? He's like, oh, our budget hasn't changed at all. That's 60% of the people were just clogging up the joint. Dead weight. People would rather be on the boat at their kid's event or you know, at the tailgating, whatever it is. They, they were just there for the show, what they could get, the consumer, the retention. And Sunday had become a retention strategy for a lot of people. I'm like, praise God, quit chasing people that don't want to be caught. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Praise God, a lot of people have left the church. I believe Jesus has been clearing it out. I believe COVID was, was a, an act that God was not caught off guard by, and I believe he's separate, separating the sheep and the goats in this time. And that might sound really cruel, like you would want people to leave the church, man, if they're clogging it up. I mean, Jesus had no qualms with sometimes looking at people and said, get behind me. Or like, hey, if you wanna do this, you have to do that. Let the dead bury their own dead. And let people work that out in, in their hearts, but I can't change people here enough. This has gotta be something that we invest in the rest of our week, the rest of our lives to go after what Jesus is doing. And a lot of you that stayed through it, praise God, because I believe you're these kind of people that are hungry for, for kingdom coming. Yeah. And I'm not trying to rah-rah, but like, I believe that's why when a lot of churches lost 60%, that, that we're seeing growth. And we're seeing growth in other places where people are making disciples. The churches that won't change this they're still struggling. How do we get people back? Well, the problem is, if people all of a sudden get afraid of being sick and being close to each other, and then you say, hey, come get crammed back in the box again. Let's see how that works. But disciples seem to be able to overcome their fear of getting sick. They seem to overcome the things the world is telling them that maybe doesn't align with the truth. They're like, we're just gonna go for it. This church would not shut down if they came and shut us down. Because it's a lot harder to chase people house to house than it is just in one big tent, isn't it? 
And I'm not saying we're looking to shut down, but I'm just saying we want to build something that looks like Jesus's kingdom. We are a prototype of the age to come. And it, it hasn't been working because it's not what God intended. If we build the church, we rarely get disciples. But if we build disciples, we always get the church. And so I encourage you as you're thinking about this, about trusting, about leaning in. Maybe you're like, I've been here, there's something keeping me here, but I'm really having a hard time and I, I'm having a hard time going all in on this. This house group thing sounds goofy. You know, I encourage you to not, um, I encourage you to just trust a little bit. I encourage you about trusting God with this. Because this isn't our idea. This is Jesus's idea. We're not trying to proffer some program. We're not trying to move the needle forward on what we wanna do. We wanna be a people that grow up in Christ and change the world. When we say impact the world, we mean it. I mean, wouldn't it be sweet in 20, 30 years, we're like, we reached a million people. We reached a million people. I think that's crazy. I can't do that. I am clearly not talented enough, not smart enough. I can't do that. But if you start looking at how this whole thing goes, what if I reach 30 or 50 or 100? And what if you reach 30 or 50 or 100? What if you reach 1,000? What if you reach 5,000? What if you reach 10? What if we all do that? You start doing that math. What if we start living this stuff? That goes from addition to multiplication. And Jesus says that the disciples, the good seed like John talked about, would bear fruit 30, 60, even 100 fold. What if that's just a low-lying level measure of our lives having that kind of impact? And I'll tell you, your house group can have that kind of impact. One of my good friends, Moses Atmo, um, Apostle Moses and his wife Ari Mukisa are coming here. And they're gonna speak here in three weeks. And Moses' church has went from 2,000 to 60,000 plus in their movement in three years. And what they did is they stopped emphasizing this, started emphasizing this, and now they can't slow it down. Because when you build disciples, you always get the church. We get the prototype of the age to come. And changed lives are the proof of the good news that speaks loudly in a world full of glitz and glam. We don't need, we don't need the gimmicks. We just need testimonies. We need living testimonies of people that are changed by Jesus. We don't have to have a big frills. We don't have to have like, uh, you know, the big screen, skinny jeans, smoke machines. We don't have to have that here. I'd look like 10 pounds of poop in a five pound bag in skinny jeans anyway, so. Um, <laughs> but but we, we're just gonna follow Jesus. So I wanna encourage you to think about this, about following Jesus. What does it look like to you? Is this your idea or our idea? Is this your idea or their idea? And if you're not sure, come be part of a house group. Come get involved more. Trust, see what God does. See what God does. Because we want to be communities of renewal. We want to be places where everyone gets to play and do what Jesus did. What kind of vibe do our groups, do our lives emit? Are we prototypes of the age to come or are we just trying to go back to some old broke thing because that's what's comfortable? Does that force move on us and through us in such a way that says that he came. I believe it does, and I'm seeing lots of your lives, the power that's emitted from them, the way that you guys love, the way you share, the way you give, the way you invite, the way you open up your homes. And I just wanna encourage you, keep that going. And for those of you that maybe haven't taken the plunge yet, jump in. Everyone who's a house group leader or a co-leader, stand up. My wife's on There we go. Yeah. Go see these people or start your own. We'll help you. You're like, maybe I don't like any of those people. Great. Start your own. Start your own. But 
we, wanna, we want to love God, make disciples, and impact the world. And we believe our best mechanism towards impacting the world is always obeying Jesus and doing what he did the way he did it. Um, we're gonna wrap up here, but I wanna tell you there's no plan B. There is no plan B. There's no other way that, do you know Jesus might have come back a thousand years ago? Do you know that? You're like, well, how, how do you know that? I believe if every person that's alive in the first uh, thousand years took the call to make disciples seriously, I believe if the church at the time hadn't muted the voice and venerated the priesthood and the bishops above everyone else, that Christ was coming back at such a fast clip that the world may have been won. The world may have been told. In this time, in this era, you have friends, you have family, you have neighbors, you have people who will never step foot in this place, but God's put you in their life to be the church to them. What if we take this seriously? What if we can reach 10,000 people, 50,000 people, 100,000, a million people, and what if we all started taking it seriously? How many people will hear the glorious, beautiful message of Jesus? How many people will see that? There's no plan B. You're the plan. The church is the plan. God's people are the plan. I believe Perry, where's Perry? Perry had something he feels that he's supposed to share. Someone gave a whistle, I hope that was his wife. So, do we got this mic on for him? It's the green mic. I don't even know if I need it. Okay. okay, so if you guys, this, this is the way that God has really pushed me this past week. So my wife has been wanting me to come in and sit in the service for a couple of months now, something like that. Last Sunday, Mr. Benedetti in the back of the room. He comes up to me. Yeah, quit looking around, Mike. <laughs> Everybody knows who you are. He comes up to me and says, hey, this, God has put this on my heart. And he goes, God is telling me he wants, he wants you in service with me. So between the two of them, I'm like, okay. I'm going into service today. Sit down. Ryan, you know, asked for people's testimonies. And I'm sitting there, sitting there, listening to people's testimonies. And I'm just more and more anxious, more and more anxious, more and more anxious, more and more anxious. And I see Amber get up and walk, and I'm like, I just, I just, I. So then during service, I start texting Lucas and I'm like, God is really putting this on me today. Ryan talking about house groups, our house group. I said this a couple of weeks ago when we got together, my wife was not there. My wife does not even realize this probably. Our house group literally saved my life saved my life, saved my marriage, and saved my life. This church has saved my life. God put CJ in my life due to a connection that we both commonly shared. It wasn't until a few weeks ago that I feel like God put me in CJ's life with that connection to bring him back to church. Millen, who is also, well, I think he's our house group leader at this point. A couple of years ago, we did spontaneous baptisms and I felt a call calling from God to get up and spontaneously be baptized. In one of my texts to Lucas today, I said, I don't know what it is, but everything that God tells me, it's spontaneous. 
house groups mean more to me than probably to anybody because of what I just told you guys. This church overall means more to me. The house group introduced me to Mike Clacken. Mike Clacken introduced me to Scott and Jim. Between our house group and my other friends in this church, they are some of the best friends that I have ever had in my life. And it's all because of God is the reason why I even know these people. So join a house group, you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have those friends that are your 911 friends. Amen. The friends to call in the middle of the night if you break down on the road. The friends that you call to come help tear out your deck. <laughs> I mean, they will be your best friends and your most honest friends and your most true friends between your house groups and the church. They it, it will just bring you the most peace you've ever felt in your life. Amen. And thank you. Amen. Amen. That was worth that $20 I gave him. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Thank you, Perry. Well, hey, we're going to worship. Yeah. Well, Lord, we just love you. We love your... We love what you're doing. I love, thank you for this church. Thank you for this amazing group of people. So many people that are so hungry to obey you, to hear you, to obey you, to share what you're doing. Lord, help us to um, keep going after it. Help us to never quit. You tell us to pray and not give up. Help us be those type of people that are compelled by your force, compelled by your might, compelled by your love to do what Jesus did the way Jesus did it. Help us to be able to be uh, courageous enough, to be in season enough, to be spontaneous enough to share with people the things that you're putting on our hearts. Lord, we just love you and we bless you. It's in your mighty and powerful name, Father, amen. We're gonna worship for a little bit. If you want prayer or if you don't know Jesus, come on up, come on up. We will pray with you. If you need healing, we'll bless you today, amen.